Welcome to Grow Operation, Building the Business of Cannabis, a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs and executives from the companies shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry. On today's episode, we're talking to Mladen Barbarich, founder and CEO of Airgraft, a technology company on a mission to democratize the best cannabis experience. Airgraft aims to create the world's cleanest vapor platform through thoughtful design, relentless testing, and the never-ending pursuit of better. Mladen Barbaric, founder and CEO of Airgraft. Thanks for joining us on the Grow Operation Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, really excited to have you on here. I know you guys are up to some really exciting things at Airgraft, but before we get into all the fun stuff at Airgraft and, and kind of the cannabis industry stuff, I'd love for you to just kind of give the audience some background on you personally, professionally, and and all the stuff that came before you got to Airgraft. Sure. So I'm not your typical cannabis entrepreneur. I originally don't come from cannabis industry. I'm a designer turned tech guy. I've spent the last 20 years developing everything from cars through medical drug delivery devices onto wearables and and the type of tech that people usually stay away from, like things that are extra hard to do. I used to really enjoy it to the tune of launched about 100 million devices into the world. And I've had an interesting journey where, on one hand, I ran a product development firm for a while, and we would work with lots of different companies, you know, from the large ones, Qualcomm and LG and so on, to startups. And I fell in love with building not just products, but companies ground up. And, and I started by investing and participating and helping, you know, uh, startup entrepreneurs uh, stand up and, and, and launch companies. And then more and more, I took you know, more and more responsibility in those startups and then started launching startups and so on. And for the last, I want to say, 13 years, I've been doing this and I've done everything but cannabis product. And about, I want to say, five years ago, this was a really odd set of events. Typically, you know, I'll, I'll have some sort of an idea um, based on some problem. You know, so there's this problem we're looking to solve it. And I start by pitching it. I go to all the people that have done really well with us uh, that continue to support our projects. This one was quite the opposite. So they started investing in cannabis, came to me and said, hey, have you looked at cannabis? There's this glaring problem in vaporization and you just happen to have the weird set of skills. You know, you know how to deliver drugs really well. You've done a lot of FDA type devices, but on the other hand, you really know how to connect technology into something that people really want. Take a look at this. And so I resisted for a good year for obvious reasons. You know, I never was much of a cannabis user because I was, a, you know, early in my life, I was a competitive swimmer. So I couldn't take, you know, cold pills, let alone cannabis, for the fear of, of uh, being drug tested and failing a drug test. So it was really not natural for me. I, I almost had this reflex response, like, what do I know about cannabis? You know, how could I possibly contribute? And I generally won't involve, get involved in something unless I can meaningfully, positively impact the industry. And I, you know, my first reaction was, well, what do I know? But then as I dug in, I realized, you know, there's a glaring problem 
people are are talking about vaporization, but vaporization um, really means you know taking a liquid compound and changing it into a gas without changing the molecules, without geeking out on you. It's boiling, right? It's just boiling. And so what all vaporizers out there do is it's like an old school stovetop, zero uh, or off and on. When you're on, you're on high, it ramps up temperature and very quickly reaches boiling point and immediately after starts burning. And so I looked at this and went, well, how could possibly people be doing this? This is terrible because when you convert um, molecules, you're actually changing the compounds into something that you didn't actually want to volatize. And so you're using your body's best ingestion system, which is your lungs. It's very effective, but it's also very effective, which means if you give it bad stuff, you know, it, it, it's really effectively taking it in. So we decided to jump in and solve this problem. And, and it's kind of the most bizarre set of events that led me here. <laughs> but that's, in a nutshell, you know, a bit of my history. Um, I could go on for hours, but um, a bit, bit of a snapshot. No, I think, I think it's almost cooler in the cannabis industry when it's people who stumbled upon it and they're using their skill set that they've built their entire career on to better the industry or have a good impact on the industry, not people who necessarily are cannabis users for their entire life history and want in on it because of that reason. I mean, obviously you started in Detroit, shout out to my hometown, Detroit, uh, <laughs> at CCS, and, and then you were working at Ford, you know, doing design for, for car products and stuff like that. So, you know, you've obviously got the background to build products and, and, and leveraging it for this very specific use case is cool. I'm curious before we dive into Airgraft and you kind of gave a good teaser there, was design and product design something that from like a young age you knew you were going to get into? Um, or is that also something that you kind of stumbled on? So I'm one of those weird people that somehow knew what I was going to do from the moment I can remember thinking about what I'm going to do. My dad was a designer. He's an art director. And even though I knew I didn't want to do exactly what he did, somehow it was just a given for me that I was going to design, create things, some sort of things. And it didn't really matter to me if those things were cars or buildings or products. I just wanted to create things. But I did have this kind of a weird path through that. So original thought was, well, I must want to be a designer. And I went to school and I realized that as a designer, you don't quite create the product and then launch the product and create the business and, around it. Um, it was really a subset. So I, I was really an oddball. You know, I, I would go to classes and wonder why aren't we thinking about how to sell this and why are we making this thing? Why are we just shaping this thing? You know. Right. And so a, without, you know, without being a jerk, you know, <laughs> industrial designers still solve a lot of really cool problems. I just wanted to reach beyond that. And so it, it took me a little while to actually understand what I wanted. I, I, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and create businesses around the products, but I just didn't know what that meant. But, and I started in cars, not because, and, and, you know, if I told my colleagues now what I was actually thinking, they would all kill me because, you know, you go to CCS and everybody's trying to get into the car program because it's the coolest thing ever. 
I got into the car program because it was the hardest thing ever, not because I thought it was the coolest. So there was me and a whole bunch of car people that were like so passionate about cars. And I was just, hey, I'll, cars are cool. Um, but I really want to just make, you know, things that meaningfully impact society somehow. So I spent a bunch of time designing cars and I, I had a blast. I probably don't didn't appreciate how much fun I was having at the time. I, I, I got to do show cars. I got to do really cool supercars. I got to do trucks. I got to do this. I got to do that. And, you know, I started at Ford when I was 19. I was a schmuck kid, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I did it out of necessity. I just I couldn't pay for school. <laughs> yep. So it was either, you know, succeed or die. But that's how I started my career. And one thing that I learned doing cars was the importance of building a product with the mindset of how people uh, perceive their lifestyle, their belonging, and their association with brand as part of the product. And that's something that, that you know, very few product companies actually think about and cars have been really successful at. And it was the first sort of step in shaping of how I think today. And it was, it was an amazing learning experience. So after about 40 cars, um, <laughs> I decided to move on, but it was, a, it, it was an interesting pathway. Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of had your father as inspiration for wanting to get into the design world that led itself to product design and, and studying that at College of Creative Studies, you know, getting into cars. And then as you're building these products, thinking of the business side, and that's kind of where that entrepreneurial spark kind of hit you. I know we've touched on some of your background and some of the companies you started with that entrepreneurial spark. Let's dive into Airgraft. This is kind of you trend. People are saying you've got all this product design background. You can build products. You can start companies. Have you looked at cannabis? You look at cannabis, you look at vaporization technology, which I won't even pretend to know one one millionth of a percentage about, um, even compared to you. And you say, I'm going to start Airgraft. What is Airgraft? What's the thought behind it? Um, and kind of what problem are you guys solving in the cannabis industry? So Airgraft is a technology company within cannabis, and we create the best ways to consume cannabis. The first and most obvious problem to solve is inhalation of cannabis, right? So about 90% of all cannabis is inhaled. When you think about it, you know, people talk about chocolates and edibles and whatever. All that stuff is a very, very small part of cannabis. And the reason is very simple. There are a whole bunch of PK studies, basically studies of, of effectiveness, where in a controlled setting, they get a patient, they inject them with something. In this case, in, inject them with something and then compare that to inhalation. So within cannabis, inhalation is by far the most effective way to consume and to get the effect, and even more so than injecting it directly into your bloodstream, right? And so it's been that way forever, but it comes with problems, right? So the obvious way is smoking, and we know what smoking does, right? It creates uh, contaminants, tars, and so on. It's really bad for you. It, it is less of an issue than smoking tobacco simply because you just don't go through two packs of, you know, joints a day, right. but it's still an issue. Vaporization, theoretically speaking, is the perfect answer, right? It, it, it is actually boiling the compounds. It's avoiding waxes and solids so it doesn't, they don't convert into, uh, into harmful, harmful things. And when you extract pure uh, cannabis oil, you can convert it into 
basically a fine mist that is uh, that can be uh, built directly for your lungs. And so it's a phenomenal way to deliver cannabis. But it comes with its problems, right? So one, as I was describing before, nobody's actually vaporizing. Um, and it requires a lot of thought. And, and what we do is uh, we chip the cartridges that the extracts are in, and we cater the heating profiles directly to the extract. So it, it perfectly vaporizes each extract. That is not a an easy feat, right? So we have to include technology in every cartridge. We have to recognize the extract. We have a whole back office system to track the different extracts and different algorithms applied to those extracts and so on. But the result is pretty remarkable. We can deliver uh, vapor in a way that's much safer, that doesn't create uh, byproducts and is very effective. So the whole idea behind Airgraft is to actually responsibly look at delivering cannabis and then make that available to everybody. And so what we did last year was um, a test. We, we launched our first version of the, of the platform and we had people try and we would do exactly what I just said. We optimized uh, heating. And what people told us was, it's great that it's, it's clean and safer for me, but man, does it taste better. And so what happens is when you treat the extract with too much heat, you burn it. And you don't have to be an expert to understand that things that are burnt don't taste as good. And so we started noticing that people really love what it is that we are offering. But then they would tell us, hey, we're buying one of your cartridges but then we have to buy two or three of these two buck chuck cartridges that are really cheap just to offset the price. And we realized that, you know, this audience is consuming quite a bit of cannabis, right? right. But they have to watch their budgets. And so inherently what we're doing is making it a more expensive cartridge. We have a chipset in there. We have uh, heat control. We have heated food safe materials, you know, it's, the stuff that's coming from China and those 510 cartridges, the, the, the most common cartridges is not necessarily heated food safe. It's got a bunch of plastics metals that are really not all that safe at heat. And so inherently, we make stuff more expensive, right? right? And the industry, the way it works is we're the technology provider. We actually give the cartridges to the extractors. They fill them, then they sell them on through wholesale and, and retail and so on. But because of this sort of chain process, right, we sell them to the extractors and then there's several steps and then it gets taxed. For every dollar I charge the extractor, the consumer ends up paying four and a half to five dollars. Right? Right. And the cartridge is not a dollar. Right. right? And, and we're making them better and, and, and more expensive. So we realized last year, hey, to actually provide really high quality vapor and, and, and really take care of people here, but also give it to them at a price that they can afford, we're going to have to turn things upside down. It's just not going to work with current physics, right? We're going we're gonna to have to change the rules of the game. So what we've been working on for the last, for the last year Aside from, you know, crazy performance improvements and all that fun stuff, 
we've been working on a way to bring the best technology to people for less money than what they're paying for today. And that involves, you know, some really bold moves. So what we're launching or what we've what we've soft launched in in um, California for the last couple of weeks, and we sold out and have been scrambling to restock really fast, is a completely new system where we work with the extractors, but we don't charge them at all for uh, cartridges or packaging. And what that results in is cartridges that people can buy at prices that are cheaper than the crappy 510 thread cartridges out there. And all they have to do is be an AirGraph member and cost 10 bucks uh, a month to be an AirGraph member. So even with, with one cartridge that they purchased and the, and the membership, it's still cheaper than buying the alternative. But now we can use our very expensive, high-performing cartridge. So that's... That's, you know, in the nutshell, where Airgraft is today. We're really trying to innovate and use creativity and technology to solve this glaring problem in the industry and deliver uh, inhalation, which is 90% of the market, in a better, safer way and in a way that people can afford. Yeah, I mean, the 90% inhalation number obviously gives good opportunity, but it means there's Tons of bad actors out there. Your messaging has to be very clear for how you're differentiating yourself. And then to be obviously higher quality, you know, figuring out those cost structures because uh, just having a good product doesn't necessarily mean that right. Right. Um, I think the membership and I think the membership approach is is really interesting. Talk a little bit more about the membership approach and, and kind of how that sets you apart from some of these other companies and 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 what that means for your business. Well, so the reason why we have a membership is it, it is the only way we know how to lower the end price and to still be able to um, provide this you know very high performing cartridge. I, I equate it to everybody wants a Porsche 911, right? And yeah. so what would what would Porsche do to to make it accessible to everybody, right? They would they would build a cheaper Porsche. But you can't do that in <laughs> in our cartridge. We can't make a cheaper cartridge. We just make the we, we would have to make the crappy thing that currently exists. Right. So what we have to do is figure out how to make 911 accessible to everybody, which is different than making a cheaper thing. And so this membership model allows us to do that. And it also allows us a platform to to act, to continuously build more value for the members. Right. Yeah. We're engaging people in a different way. Um, it's completely new, you know. Nobody's using this type of a model. Nobody, um, nobody's facilitating a membership, and it, it's because it's hard to control a membership or, or control the release of the membership unless you're doing only direct to consumer business. So we've had to invent a new technology to be able to lock and unlock pods so that you can buy them at retail. Right? You buy them at retail, and then to activate them. There's a little QR code on the back of the pod. You put play, you scan that. It lands you on a web page of that particular extract, and then you place the pod into the device. You place the device on the screen. You just press unlock, and it magically unlocks it. Um, and that magic, or what we call magic key, is a light sensor that's actually reading 
a light signature coming from the screen and it works on any screen. So, you know, whether Apple likes it or not, whether Google likes it or not, we don't need app downloads, we don't need Bluetooth and so on. And so that level of innovation requires a lot of know-how on the tech side. And that is where, you know, we're using our skill set to solve some of these problems that are glaring real problems in the industry, but it's these odd solutions that you wouldn't think of normally that allow us to do this. Yeah, I think it I think it's so cool. I watched the video on your website showcasing that kind of step-by-step process. And yeah. what you guys are really doing is one, you're building like cool, magical products um, that people get to really interact with, but you guys are as much a lifestyle brand and becoming with the membership and all these cool products that people are interacting with. It's not an impulse purchase of like, Hey, I want to, I want to, you know, inhale cannabis. Now yeah. um, it's, it's an ongoing, you're paying a monthly subscription for it, right? It's, it's no yeah. different than your, your Netflix or your car share or your Uber account or your meal delivery. Like it's something that, that, that you're actually interacting with on a monthly basis, not on an ad hoc kind of now I'm having an impulse decision to buy, which I think is really cool. And, and what I'll say just from, you know, interacting with your brand on different socials and, and, and your website, like the design is really good and it has that lifestyle feel. It doesn't feel like this is a cannabis brand or I'm buying cartridges or I'm buying a device that I can you know, vape through, it really feels like it's a, it's a well-designed, well-thought-out, you know, entire company, right? From the design of the, Thank the you. <laughs> of, of everything to the actual product that they're buying. So that obviously speaks to your background and your team's background. I know you, you briefly mentioned this, you guys are, are based in Montreal, um, have some Canadian operations, have done the kind of the soft launch in, in, uh, in California, but Airgraph 2, so this is kind of this, 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 second generation of, of everything you're building is, is launching officially, I believe, July 1st in California. Yes. Talk a little bit about the differences between Airgraph 1 and 2 and, and kind of um, this anticipated launch and what the future plans are beyond July 1 in just California. Yeah. So Airgraph 1 for us was a time to learn. Uh, we had a hypothesis. We wanted to test out the hypothesis and we used Bluetooth and you know native apps um, to create a digital experience. But what we were really doing is being respectful of the industry and the intricacies of, in, of the industry and learning so that we can make a better product. We knew that um, we needed a second generation product to actually scale and, and, and make widely available. This new product is really meant for scale. It's really meant to be accessible to everyone. And what we're hoping to do on one hand is provide an alternative to millions of people that are currently vaporizing cannabis that is safer, that is better, that they can enjoy better. And on the other hand, what we're trying to solve for is the this odd pricing that's kind of a result of regulation, a bit of disorganization and 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 fragmentation in the industry, which is, you know, look, prices on the uh, legal market are still much higher than the illicit market. Of course. Uh, with Airgraph 2, we'll, we'll, the, the little hack we've done here actually brings the prices very close to the illicit prices. So what we're hoping to do is offer the alternative to people that are still buying on the illicit market. And by the way, the illicit market's still bigger. Then the legal market, way bigger, 
a safe, a much safer alternative. You know, there's lots of controls on the legal side, and even though the vaporizer is not great, generally they won't kill you. On the illicit side, they might just kill you, right? So <laughs> we're, we're trying to create this alternative that even people that are currently buying on the illicit market can now afford so that we can reach a wider audience, provide, provide a safer alternative, and, and, and move on from there. So really, Aircraft One, it, it served a great purpose. It, it taught us a lot. Aircraft Two is really what we're going to um, uh, proliferate and scale and, and and make available everywhere. So the launch is um, July first in retail and delivery, but we've already started doing a pre-launch access. So the people people are in California are able to um, get a preview. They can't buy uh, pods; they have to refer friends um, to actually get a pod. Um, until July 1st, but they can they can get preview. And so when we launched it uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were really surprised by how quickly people reacted to it and how quickly we sold out. So we've been scrambling, you know, COVID time. So manufacturing is not that easy to move and logistics are not that easy to move, but we're back. I, um, we're actually back in stock um, next week and continue the pre-launch. Um, but sh very shortly after that, we um, will be available in other states. We're currently working on bringing up the extractors, bringing up the retailers, and so on. So uh, in sort of a methodical approach, we will slowly release in other states, and hopefully within a year, we will be available everywhere in, in the U.S. If you build it, they will come. And, uh, I, <laughs> obviously, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's cool that you touch on um, you know, you guys obviously built this very sleek design product that's not really that big, but all the stuff that goes on in the background with the extractors and the packaging and having to figure out the pricing, you know, you people don't really think about that part of the process when they just see right. a little device. For people who want to go, um, I know Mladen's not gonna not gonna be the one to preach this here, but airgraph.com if you wanna if you wanna pre-order um, or just find some information there. And I know I, I pulled something that I, I I noted here just up on my computer from your guys' LinkedIn that you say that you aim to create the cleanest vapor platform through thoughtful design, relentless testing, and never-ending pursuit of better. And I think that mission is very clear in the transition from Airgraft 1 to Airgraft 2. So kudos to you and the team uh, for everything that, that you've built up to this point. And I know I probably speak on behalf of, of most of the listeners to say that that they're excited to see this kind of play out as it goes from California to the rest of the United States. I want to kind of just give you a chance here uh, before we move into our final segment, anything else that we didn't touch on that people should know about Airgraft, about safe ways to vape, really about your background, um, really anything that you think we didn't touch on that would be worth the audience hearing? You know, one thing that I realized as, um, as I got into the industry and obviously started uh, using cannabis myself is about, you know, how amazing the plant is really. And you, you hear people say that a lot. And as an, as an outsider, you know, I always sort of dismissed it, but I really think that w when you think about the benefits of cannabis, uh, day to day example, 
you know, I've never used it before, but I, I have some autoimmune issues. Um, you know, I'm, I'll get aches and pains and inflammations and so on. And so now I will use cannabis over some synthetic drugs. For example, I've, I've thrown out Tylenol for 99% of cases, you know, maybe, maybe if I'm having a really bad migraine, I might take it. But in all other cases, I might just take cannabis. And I feel a lot better about it once I understand that the cannabis that I'm consuming is clean, it comes from a good place, has been processed well, extracted well, and then it's served in, a, in the cleanest way possible. So I think what we really have to think about is this is kind of the next stage of use. Cannabis has been around forever. You know, you, you, it's thousands of years of use. It's like the oldest drug we've used. And we all know the benefits, but I think as we, as we're packaging it in a way that is much more convenient, less intrusive, and so on, I think what we're going to see is cannabis starting to, you know, encroach on the alcohol, uh, alcohol and other, you know, synthetic drug uh, territory. I think you're going to see that um, in the next several years, it's going to be more and more um, a common household thing, whereas you know today even it's slightly taboo in most households. Yep. So I think that's a, that's an interesting topic, and it's an it's an interesting thought. But as I and, and this surprises me even today when I and we don't we don't sell aircraft in in Canada yet. We have um, obviously research facilities here, and we test a lot, and so I can share. I, I might share some of the the preliminary stuff with with friends, and when I do, I get this amazing response that, "Hey, this is not cannabis um, the way I'm thinking about it. It's super convenient, and I can enjoy at my house without going outside." And I'm noticing this is like every single time I get this, I'm noticing that if I do a couple of puffs of this instead of a glass of wine or two glasses of wine. Next day, I feel better. Way better. So I think, I think there's a there's a whole new wave of of cannabis use that will um, reach our homes our every day as soon as people become more educated and have you know better sort of visibility and transparency into what cannabis really is and how to actually properly serve it yeah and i I, as you're saying this i'm envisioning you know this is my marketing brain going here i'm envisioning like an advertisement where you've got like caveman like really hacked together you know smoking cannabis all the way into now someone using aircraft um and i think you know the point that you touched on that really struck a chord with me is that you've built this really cool product. There's great design. It has, but really it's a vehicle, I guess, no pun intended to your, your, your (laughs) early days at Ford. Uh, It's a vehicle through which people can get all of these incredible benefits, right? They can feel better, um, you know, can relieve pain. Uh, It's going to be different for everyone. It can help with anxiety, whatever it is with different people, but you've created kind of this vehicle to safely uh, consume, you know, cannabis in a way that people can feel good about. So I think that's really awesome. And, and I'm glad that we, we I, I always like giving people kind of the opportunity at the end to, to is there something that I miss, right? Because I can do all the research in the world and all the preparation in the world. And sometimes there's things that people just want to touch on that, that I'm not even thinking about. So I appreciate that from you. 
Thank you. Uh, I want to transition over to the last segment, um, a segment called cannot or cannot, um, where you tell me if you cannot or cannot get behind the statements that I present to you. Got it. First, number one, uh, and you set this up really nicely in the, in the beginning, and I was not uh, anticipating that, but I'm glad that you did. But as more ways to consume cannabis are introduced, right, infused beverages, greater selection of edibles, et cetera, et cetera, smoking and vaping will remain the preferred method for many to uh, consume cannabis. So canna uh, with a caveat that I think people will will start to understand how to do that safely. Inhalation is not going away. We've inhaled it forever. We're going to inhale it. It is the best and the, the preferred way to deliver it. That's uh, not going away. Um, yeah. And even and even if people are transitioning to some of these other methods, and that ninety percent comes down, it may be coming down from, you know, bad actors in this space or poor ways to actually inhale cannabis and, and obviously new waves like air. Even, even with that, when you're looking at data, it, um, the inhalation overall is not, is not going down. It, it is, it is staying still around 90%. Sure. And, and it'll, it'll people just... might uh, temporarily go to one method or another, but overall inhalation is the preferred method. And I, I believe it'll stay the preferred method. And there's probably a reason that when you speak about the hundreds and thousands of years of history, there's probably a reason that that has been. Well, I mean, we, scientifically, when you look at how the substance affects you, um, it, it is clearly the most effective way. The effect is felt best and fastest when you inhale. Number two, as laws and regulations evolve, and I know you guys are based in Montreal, but not necessarily selling in Montreal now. So you're kind of you're kind of playing in a lot of different worlds with this right. one. But as laws and regulations evolve in the United States, will more cannabis, more cannabis companies will enter the U.S. market and vice versa? Can, uh, I think that's inevitable. I mean, we're still in early stages of, of industry. You know, a lot of people entered the market by listing in Canada because it's federally legal here. Yep. And so that's more of a vehicle for, you know, for, for businesses to sort of run. But I think as, as legalization happens as, and as normalization happens, there'll be interplay just like anywhere, anywhere else. Yep. And last one, uh, the United States will follow Canada's lead, lead and legalize cannabis at the federal level within the next three years. Cannot or cannot? Uh, I think cannot. I think the I think the um, stars are aligning for cannabis to be legalized. I don't know what form that'll take and what sure. the effect is, but I I believe, and I don't know if it's necessarily following Canada's lead, but <laughs> probably in search for um, um, more income tax revenue, um, <laughs> or which tax there's a lot of. But, but uh, yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's awesome. And um, I framed it through the Canada lens because you're, you're based in Montreal. But... <laughs> I have my beefs with the way Canada has legalized. I think we have a long way to go. We're, we're kind of stifling the cannabis industry here, yeah. but, but it's, it's important to start. I was just reading, a, I was just, I was just reading, a, I guess, a thought from someone on LinkedIn uh, who's based in Canada. And they said, you know, the industry on LinkedIn and in the professional world is talking about cannabis in a very specific way in Canada, but consumers are actually having a much different perspective, right? How, you know, the OCS, I know, kind of controls thing in, in, in Ontario, specifically, same as 
you know, the LCBO and, and how are, how are the products actually any different at all these stores that have, you know, fancy names, right. You know, right. cannabis mart, um, you know, cannabis haven, et cetera, all these different names that they're giving it. Um, but how are the products actually any different uh, to the consumer level? And I think that's something that you guys at Airgraft are doing a really good job of is actually doing the education to the consumer about how are we actually different? Um, and you've done a good job explaining that, you know, because 90% is inhaled and obviously Airgraft is not touching all 90% of that right now, but being able to con- to educate the consumer on how you're different um, and why those remain different. So there, there definitely has been flaws in the, the, the Canada world of cannabis, even with full federal legalization. You know, and I think the United States will probably look to some of those things that went right and some of the things that went wrong as they start to think about legalization. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens when legalization eventually does happen in whatever form, because that'll allow for cross, not only cross border, but also even cross state lines um, for some of this stuff, which I'm sure as you're having these conversations with extractors in the background, um, you know, you're, you're hearing a lot of that stuff. I do want to just give you one last chance before we let you jump here. If you want to plug yourself, where can people find both you and Airgraft, email, social channels, best way to get in contact with either you or the Airgraft team? So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I have a weird name, Aladdin Barberich. If you, if you look me up on LinkedIn, it, it, I, I think there's only one of me. But Airgraft is super easy to find, airgraft.com. Um, we always have a support chat, which is more than a support chat. You actually access a human. If you ever want to reach us, we're probably the easiest company to reach. You can go to airgraph.com, go to, go to our chat, talk to somebody, get to us really fast. Awesome. Any any insight any insider insight we can get just at the very end here on on the naming of Airgraft and where the name came from? Ah, uh, it was a <laughs> it was a process to get to Airgraft. Look. Um, we wanted it to be definitely something based on a vehicle, right? Because what we're creating is vehicles. So aircraft sounds a bit like aircraft. And for us, the air bit was really important because what we're really trying to do is, is deliver an aerosol in the purest way possible. So air and graft as, as a way of proliferating plant. So those two words together form one, which is really the ultimate vehicle for for cannabis. So it, it, for us, it was a lot of thought and, and 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 a lot of pain to get to that word. But then we just sort of when we landed on it, we fell in love with it, and we had lots of heated debates with lots of people that hated the word. But uh, <laughs> but now everybody loves it, um, and, it and it's becoming quite established as, as, a, as a name. Awesome. Well, I just, I know you were, you, you repeatedly said airgraph.com and I, I was just, just wanted to get that last piece in here, but we appreciate all of the insights today into the Thank world you. of cannabis inhalation, the world of airgraft, uh, the world of cross-border cannabis companies. So uh, Layden and airgraph, thanks for joining us on the Grow Operation Podcast. Of course, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Grow Operation Podcast. Stay tuned next time for more stories from the people building the business of cannabis.